0: Well, hello and welcome to CCIRA's Literacy Conversations podcast. I'm Lori Conrad, co chair of A View From Here, CCIRA's 2023 Literacy Conference. I'm here with my co chair,
1: Patrick Allen. And today we have the great fortune of talking with author Charles R. Smith Jr.
0: His books include the poetry collections Hoop Kings, Hoop Queens, and Rim Shots, narrative biographies about Muhammad Ali, Jack Johnson, and Jimi Hendrix, Brick by Brick, the story of how enslaved people built the White House, I Am America, and I Am the World, my personal favorite, Diamond Life,
1: and my favorite, My People, and many, many others. So good morning, Charles, and thanks for taking the time. Time to talk with us. Good morning. Why don't we we begin with you sharing a little bit about your background?
2: My background, um, I am originally from California. I was born and raised in Los Angeles County. Uh, I went to elementary and junior high school in Compton, California, while I lived in Carson, California. Uh, My mom would drop me and my sister off at my grandmother's house, and we would walk to school, um, then we moved right before my high school uh, started so I moved in the summer between eighth grade and ninth grade uh, to Duarte California which is out <laughs> and then I went to uh, photography school for college Brooks Institute of Photography in California um, before I even set foot in my first class. I knew that when I graduated, I wanted to move to New York City. So two days after I graduated, that's what I did. Uh, seeking fame and fortune as a Rolling Stone <laughs> magazine photographer, ah. <laughs> wanting to follow in the footsteps of uh, Annie Leibowitz, among others. And in the midst of living in New York City and you know working as a photographer's assistant, which is part of the path that I knew I was going to have to take, um, I kind of fell into the, the poetry scene, the spoken word poetry scene, because at the time it was starting to become big. And so as a, as a you know, personal subject, uh, personal project, I should say, I decided to photograph a lot of these poets and in meeting them and getting to talk to them, it rekindled my fire for writing poetry because I had always been a good writer throughout school But I never thought I'd be an author or a poet or anything like that you know it was just something that I enjoyed doing but I was always in the honors English classes and you know it was very easy for me words always came very easy for me and so in the midst of photographing these poets I was inspired to write and I continue and I started writing and I would share it with them and they were really impressed and they were like you should just keep going so fast forward a few years later when I decided to do another personal project on street basketball in New York. And as I did that project, I ended up with a great portfolio of about two years worth of pictures, about 20 pictures or so. Uh, I would show these pictures around to get work. And one of the places that I ended up showing these pictures to, in addition to my regular portfolio, which was portraits and such, um, I showed them to a children's book publisher. And the goal was to hopefully, hopefully do one book cover, you know, because a lot of books, they have photographs. And the art director, when she saw the basketball picture, she saw my regular portraits and such, and then she saw the basketball pictures. And she says, wow, this should be a book. And so those pictures became my first book, Rim Shots, which I also Mm -hmm. wrote, having been inspired by you know, more recently at that point, writing poetry. Um, Once the book came out, it was funny because I still saw myself as being a commercial photographer and I was still pursuing that goal. But once the book came out and I did my first school visit, a kid came up to me and I remember the school was in Queens and I wasn't like the featured author or anything like that. It was just like career day. (laughs) It was a friend of mine actually, And she's like, you got a cool job now. You got a book out now. You should come speak at Career Day. So I was like, okay. And I went and spoke. And um, one of the kids came up to me. The teacher, first of all, came up to me and showed me how she was using uh, the opening poem in the book. I remember she was showing me how she was using it in a class. I was really impressed by that. But then a kid came up to me after class and he said, we have to do a report on a famous poet. And I'm trying to decide if it's gonna be Langston Hughes or you. (laughs) So When I heard that, Langston Hughes is one of my favorite, Mm -hmm. you know, poets, Um, boom. And it just got me thinking, okay, I had just been working with these photographers where we did photo shoots and for magazines and the pictures would come out and then they disappeared. You know, it was great and everything, but then it disappeared. And then to have this kid in front of me, almost like I'm immortalized, you know, and then it it made me say, okay, maybe I should do more of these books. You know, let me strike while the iron's hot. And so, you know, that was back in 1999 and 2022, here we stand with um, 35 books out with another six to seven coming in the next few years. Wow. So, that's how I got here. <laughs> Wonderful!
0: I can't imagine having a kid say, "Gosh, I want to do. I want to study Langston Hughes or you." That must have been quite a moment. Yeah, it was.
2: Yeah, I mean, like I said, it was eye-opening because you know, one of the big assignments at the time when I worked for these photographers, one of the big assignments that we did, I can't remember the exact person that it was, but I was it was like the biggest person at that time because we photographed celebrities and such. Mm-hmm or, you know, people, so it could be a businessman, it could be Julia Roberts, it could be John Travolta, and at that point in my career, I was just starting, and so it was the first celebrity that we photographed, and I was so excited to see it come out, and then it came out, and a month later, it's just gone, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and so experiencing that, and then literally, like, a month or two later, having a kid tell you that, the work that you've written, that they've read, they're already equating you with one of your personal favorites and mentors and you know inspirations um, that just lit a fire under me, you know, yeah. to say, oh, okay, you know, and but the funny part of the <laughs> probably the funniest part of the whole thing was actually when, you know, I mentioned that the teacher. Uh, commented on how she was using the opening poem. The opening poem is called I Remember. I remember this. I remember that. I remember this. Mm -hmm. And what she did is she she Xeroxed it, (laughs) photocopied it. uh, For those that don't know Xerox, she photocopied (laughs) it and whited out my responses so the kids could fill in their responses. And then She was commenting on, I love how you did your concrete poetry. And she was commenting on all of these poetic devices Mm -hmm. that I had long forgotten in school. But as somebody who's been writing since I was a kid at a a high level, always a level above that of where I was, I had forgotten those devices and I'm just listening like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, then, and then going home, I'm like, concrete, poem, what's that? What's this? What's that? What's this? You know, and and I think uh, what it reminded me of is how often when we're learning poetry in school, how we're we're focused so much on what things are called and 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 the, and the how as mm-hmm. opposed to the why. Mm. So um, it made me brush up on my craft in terms of not necessarily improving my writing because I was doing that, but knowing what I was doing and knowing that, oh, this has a name, oh, that has a name, you mm-hmm. know? And once I learned that, then it made me want to pursue bigger goals in writing, um, the first of which was tackling my first uh, biography, which is the Muhammad Ali biography, mm-hmm. which won me my first Coretta Scott King Award.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it's just so clear that that language is such an important part of who you are and what you are. And that just that you're fascinated by the power of that language, not only being able to name the certain craft or the certain move that you make, but also the impact that it has, that impact that it had on that kid, that impact that it had on that teacher who, who found a way into her students. Um, how do you see that, that, that feel or that need or that understanding or fascination with the power of language in our lives? How do you see that showing up right now in the work that you're currently doing or, or the, um, the, the way you you're interacting with Emily as a writer, but also as a presenter? Um,
2: I think I'm just, you know, the thing is when you're, when you're a poet, um, I'm not going to say there's only so many words (laughs) because there's a. Ton of words. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not that, it's more that if you tend to write about similar subjects, how can you make each subject true to itself? So like I've written a number of books on basketball. My very first book was, uh, my first three books actually were on basketball to create a trilogy. Um, I had a few more after that. Um, I had another one. I had a lot of different books on basketball early in my career, but they're all very distinguishable from each other. You know, Hoop Kings is NBA players, Hoop Queens is WNBA players. So those two would be a little similar because there's really no gender uh, when it comes to basketball. Like, you know, if you're a good shooter, you're a good shooter. You're not saying, oh, she's a good girl shooter. Like, if you're a good shooter, you're a good shooter. Mm -hmm. Um, So it then comes down to making the poems not sound the same, not just in terms of rhythm, but not using the same uh, words to describe the same thing. So the basketball rim, for instance, it's a net, it's a hoop, it's, you know, it's the cup, it's, you know, it's got a lot of names. Mm-hmm. And so it, it it makes you expand your vocabulary in the particular subject that you're writing about. Um, and that's what sport. And so when it comes to other stuff, language plays a role where you're trying to not only convey what you want to convey, but making sure that the reader can actually read it so that you want, they understand what you're trying to say. And, you know, what the the, the, the kind of joke or, or, you know, what I say about my Muhammad Ali book is that was kind of my masters in writing because every book that I had done up to that point was not as difficult. It didn't require research. You know, it didn't require a long form story. It didn't require picking and choosing what parts of somebody's life you're gonna share, how you're gonna tell a story, you know, that taught me a lot, a great deal, you know, about uh, writing and it improved my writing. And from there, that allowed me to jump off to more ambitious projects like 28 Days, uh, where it's a variety of different forms from a eulogy to a villanelle to, Of course, free verse, uh, and plenty of other things in between. Um, But the that's kind of always been my sweet spot is language. Um, Not only because I'm a poet, but because of uh, where I draw my inspiration from to write my poetry.
0: Say more about that. What do you mean that, that language is where you draw your inspiration from?
2: Well, I take a lot of inspiration from music. And I take a lot of inspiration from right. historical language and historical, um, you know, I don't know what what the word would be, but like my book, my book Brick by Brick, mm-hmm. uh, it's written basically like in the format. I took inspiration from a slave plantation song, um, and it's because it was hard work. It was you know, it was repetitive. And that was the way that they did entertain themselves. They did sing. And taking a, a page out of that, I used that to, um, you know, talk about how it inspired, you know, uh, the, the, the text. Um, there's certain, you know, I love different a variety of different kinds of music. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I learned is when it comes to music, it's not just about, the, the music itself, or the, the words, I should say, but it's about where the accents fall in the music. You know, like when you hit that fourth beat, of, you know, drummer, you know, four, four time is standard rhythm, one, two, three, four, row, row, row your boat. So it comes down to where's that accent fall here? Where's that fill here? Where's, you know, as opposed to thinking like a writer in that regard, I'm thinking like a musician you know, where do I want to put the emphasis? Where do I want to lay back? Where do I want to, what do I want to repeat to show this is the important theme? And so like in Brick by Brick, the word was slave hands. Slave hands do this, slave hands do that. Mm-hmm. And, if, and the reason that I did that is because it was a reminder that these, this work was done by hands. You know, there was, and that's what I say to kids. That's the first thing that I say, there was no machines back then. (laughs) These were done by hands. And so to reinforce that, I keep saying that phrase, slave hands. So it becomes this kind of a Mm. chorus that becomes, you know, subconsciously a part of you as you're reading the story.
1: Charles, I'm just curious, you know, the the theme for our conference is a view from here. And um, I'm just thinking about the power of language and, just that idea of, you know, language being a conduit, which we've discussed previously. Um, what would you hope to see if you walked into a classroom and um, you saw your books in students' hands? What would you hope that their view might become?
2: Uh, my view. Hopefully, is that they're enjoying the books. You know, first of all, they're laughing, they're sharing, they're they're kind of like, oh, you know, because uh, when I perform my poems, I pick the ones that are going to make kids say, oh, you know, mm-hmm. and it could be at the end of the poem, it could be throughout the poem. Um, but I want them, you know, and of course, the classic word that teachers use is engaged. You know, I want them to be engaged uh, in the work and. If they, you know, read through it and they put it down, that's great. But I would love to see them read through it, put it down and then pick it up again and then kind of look at the same thing like a bunch of times. Like, how do you do that? (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. and the only reason that I say that is because when I perform my my poems with kids and I read from my books, it's almost like, like I'm a magician and they don't know how I did it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> right
2: you know and it's like yeah i'm a magician but you can do this too you know and so it's that idea that um, they can do what i have done
0: nice. yes yeah, it's that invitation to study craft and that invitation to no, take another look that it that it feels like magic but it's really not magic if you study it now of course you do it in such a way that I can only dream of, but it, it is that that you are so intentional about the words you use, the formats that you, you that you use, um, the way things show up on the page, the rhythm. I said the accent where 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 that's going to fall, um, and it's yeah. and it's through studying that that that, that intentionality kind of uh, certainly surfaces.
2: Oh, for sure. It's, uh, you know, I mean, as writers, we're, we're very intentional. And the whole point of the reader is most of the stuff that we're doing, they're, they're going to connect, the reader should generally connect to something on an emotional level. Mm-hmm. And it's only if you are big into writing um, that you'll pay attention to some of the, the things that we as, you know, authors use. But I think if you are interested in, if something connects with you in such a way then we tend to want to see it again, read it again, hear it again, you know, repeat it. And I think in this day and age, you know, we live in this such a information heavy time that if you can take the millions of things that are parading across your eyes and focus in on one thing, not just one time, but say, I really like that. Let me look at this again, you know, and maybe a few months later, let me look at this again. You know, I think that's uh, that's probably the best thing, and it, it's not because of the cra- the craft per se. It's because something connected with you that separated all that chaff from the wheat, from the wheat. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, um, that you're able to just lock in on that, and and it really you know resonates with you. Um, because most of the time, you know, like I said, when I did my book Rem shots. Um, I knew what I was doing while I was writing it, you know, it was very intentional, but I didn't know a lot of what everything was called, right? you know, and I think that's the fine line of teaching, you know, creative writing is how much are you focusing on what things are called in the, you know, uh, where you specifically use things in these rules, You know, Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I've mentioned frequently to kids is, um, you know, I say that I went to college, I went to college for photography, I didn't go for writing. Um, I took one writing class in college that was required, you know, so that I can get my degree in photography, because it was an all photography school. And when I say that, I say also how, you know, college was great for me, but it's not for everybody. And some of my favorite writers did not go to college. You know, Langston Hughes went to Columbia for one semester before he dropped out. Uh, Ernest Hemingway, you know, wrote for uh, a newspaper. Um, Mm -hmm. Those are two of my favorite writers. But what they replaced it with, and this is where I emphasize with kids, it's not about not going to college. It's okay. What are you going to do instead? And in those two cases, you know, like I said, Ernest Hemingway wrote for a newspaper. He Got to travel the world, and uh, Langston Hughes started traveling the world, and just they had a they had a life, and they had these experiences that they could write about. So whenever uh, teachers will say, "What's the best advice you can give to our young writers?" I always say the same thing: read a lot, write a lot, live a lot. (laughs) You read a lot, you learn what is good writing. You write a lot, you put it into practice. You live a lot you have things yourself to write about. So that doesn't require college, you know? And it's not, I don't want anybody to think I'm knocking college at all, I'm not. But it's more just really focusing on the, how everyone can write and how you can become good at it with intentionality.
0: I think that's such an interesting, try, you know, triangle there, read a lot, write a lot, live a lot, because Mm -hmm. I think some kids get that message of, I haven't lived, or my life isn't exciting, so therefore I have nothing Mm -hmm. to write about. And yet, Mm -hmm. you found a way to to merge the kind of writing that is about what you have done, like sports, Mm -hmm. but also Mm -hmm. with things that you have become fascinated with, like, Exactly. Jimi Hendrix or like Muhammad Ali like you didn't live the life of a boxer but you studied who he was and then found a way to put his life into words so I think that's just such an interesting message for young writers who say I have I don't I haven't done anything there's nothing about me that's exciting I don't have anything to write about
2: mm-hmm. yeah. well and they may think that but one of the uh, exercises that I do in class when I speak in schools is I say the whole point of writing anything and, and, and the exercise is actually an, I am exercise. I have the kids, write Mm -hmm. I am. And it's basically, I show them I am America and I am the world. And I say that it's basically, we want to get past basic words, basic descriptions, basic adjectives. I am nice. I am a good person. I am funny, boring. That's, plenty of people. Mm -hmm. What makes you funny? What makes you nice? What is different about your life? So, and that's a hard concept to grasp for some kids because they only know nice, funny. They don't understand taking it that next level. That's where the teaching comes in. So one of the examples that I give them, I say, okay, I'm going to ask you guys a bunch of questions. If it applies to you, raise your hand. So I say the first one, I I usually like to start with family because my dad comes from a family of 13 kids. He was number six. So I say, raise your hand if you are the oldest kid, like half the class. (laughs) Raise your hand if you're the youngest kid, the other half. Raise your hand if you're the middle, a, a bunch more. I say, raise your hand if you have 11 brothers and sisters. Usually nobody's hand goes up and they go, what? But sometimes one person's hand will go up, well, wow. And and that just proves my point. It's like, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to have, you know, uh, lived a middle grade novel (laughs) adventure story to -hmm. have an an interesting life. You know, you're just by you existing, you're different. So you just have to find out how to articulate those differences, you know things that other people don't laugh at and you do, that's different. Um, If your mom has a job that most people don't, that's different. Your dad has a job that most people don't, that's different. You know, if, um, you know, it's all about just getting the kid to to tap into their true self, Mm -hmm. not in terms of what's coming out of them, but like you're different. And if you can articulate what makes you different, that's what's gonna make your writing different. Mm-hmm. And by them seeing that, uh, you know, sentence in motion, you know, most of the kids, if, if everybody says I am the oldest, okay, he wrote that, she wrote that, I am one of 12, nobody else is writing that. You know, and, and when you can tap into those kinds of things it reminds you that, yes, you are different. Like, we like to think, or, I mean, we, we know we're different,
1: mm-hmm.
2: but because, you know, you're not seeing a million people that look like you. <laughs> so in that instance, we know we're different, but it's hard to articulate that difference because we, like you said, we, you know, kids think that they have to be this big, you know, there has to be this big thing. There has to be this big, uh lifestyle that's different than everybody else you know I live in a cave you know raised by wolves it's so about
1: giving kids that time and that opportunity to explore language too that writing just doesn't happen you know in a 20-minute period or a 30-minute period when they're being told you know, exactly what to write about, exactly what it should look like.
2: Exactly. You know. Exactly. And it's funny you should say that because when I do my writing workshops, the goal is not to write a poem. And I say this because usually the writing workshop is like an hour, sometime an hour and a half at the most. And I say, I don't write a poem in like an hour, hour and a half. So I'm not going to expect you to do that. But I'm going to give you the tools to get started on it and to understand how to separate your writing from other people. So we do, in my workshops, we do a lot of word vocabulary uh, generating exercises so they can get past those weak words of, you know, nice, funny, smart, you know, they can get past that. They can get past weak verbs. They can get past weak descriptions of themselves. Uh, They can start to find that poetic, you know, voice Mm -hmm. because that's that's probably the thing that I, I say the most, you know, when I talk about, particularly about my biographies in verse, is biography in verse is very difficult uh, because you're effectively telling some sto- somebody's life story, but then you're translating into another language, but that mm-hmm. language is poetry. So in my poetry, you know, rhymes. Uh, so I'm not telling, you know, it's not prose. It's not little blocks of sentences written, you know, prosaic um it it rhymes and so you know if I have to tell about how Muhammad Ali was born on this day in this hospital here okay if I'm writing a you know a regular biography I can say Muhammad Ali was born blah 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 blah, blah, I just write that Mm -hmm. but if it rhymes okay this is what I have to say but I have to translate it into right into poetry then it becomes more craft oriented and that's where you know I have to put my poet hat on. But in that regard, you know, it's like poetry is, is kind of like writing in another language. Um, not in the difficulty of it, but in translating what we see that we would use 50 words to use. Okay, oh, you can only take five words to use to describe what you just said here in this 50 word, you know, paragraph or whatever nice
0: well i think we're getting to the point where we probably ought to find a way to sort of wrap this up but charles we didn't want to leave without you getting a chance to talk about what's uh what's up next what's what's on deck if you will given that my favorite one is the diamond life because i raised Mm -hmm. a baseball boy and that was one of his favorite favorite books um you took it with him it's now it's now living on the bookshelf in his home as a 32 year old young man, which is oh, awesome. that, that is a celebration. Let me tell you, because he, yeah. you know, doesn't have for a whole sure. lot of books, but that one he does. Um, what's, what's up for you? What's coming, what's coming next in your publishing life?
2: Well, um, my most recent book would be Jimmy right behind mm-hmm. me. And then coming in September, the book up there, which I'll grab Wait. Bessie the motorcycle queen very excited for that book to come out um, that comes out like i said september mm-hmm. uh, in april next year uh, will be the the first of the next wave of my uh kings and queens series um i just completed like i said hoop kings 2 which which is out just mm-hmm. came out uh, about a year ago now actually came out in april um next April will be soccer Queens so I'm very excited for that one because it celebrates the uh, players on the US women's soccer team and and some people will look at me and be like well you did basketball like now you're doing women's soccer it's like well it's a fun sport to watch <laughs> you it know is. And, I actually, and I actually naturally did watch the women play you know because it's 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 very easy to get caught up in in um, you know, what they were doing at the time. This was, let's see, they're gonna be uh, competing, what? 23, so would have been 19. Um, you know, I watched all of those games and I was genuinely into it. And it was my editor that actually reached out and said, you wanna do a book on the women's uh, soccer? And I was like, oh, absolutely. And so the challenge there was first learning about soccer, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, cause I played plenty of sports but that wasn't one that I played. And so, you know, I, I understood, you know, what was going, I understood you got to kick it in the goal you, gotta, you know, I understood the basics, but I did not know the names of a lot of the, the, the um, not the star players, but the positions. I had to learn the positions. I had to learn the rules. I had to learn, you, you know, you got to learn all of that stuff so that when you're speaking the, the person that's reading it is like, Oh, this person knows what they're talking about. Yeah. Cause if I was to use a, a wrong word or describe something in a wrong way, then the person who's a fan of that sports like this person don't know what they're talking about and then they put the book away. So I really prided myself on, um, to me, it's some of the best poetry that I've written personally, because it was something different. And ultimately, even though they are uh, female soccer players, to me, they're just players, you know, and that's the goal uh, as I was writing it was to show that it's not a girl thing. And like, these are good players, period, you know? And so I just treated them as such and just tried to really elevate, you know, their skill in such a way to make them, you know make the kids really excited to read it. And so the funny thing is too, when you do these Kings and Queens books, you know you're basically playing the role of a scout also. (laughs) you know, because the book is not going to be out for a few years. And if you're writing about an athlete who's at the top of the sport and has been at the top of the sport, well, when are they going to retire? How long are they going to (laughs) play? You know, the book could come out and they could be retired, you know? Um, And so there's a lot of challenges that that book presented, but it was a really fun book to write about because again, as I mentioned earlier, it was all about finding different ways to talk about the same thing,
1: mm-hmm. you know.
2: Ultimately, okay, they're kicking the ball in the go. Okay, well, Kristen Press does it like this. Alex Morgan does it like this. Megan Rapino does it like this. You know, Rose Lavelle is really good at dribbling. So I'm not going to talk about her scoring. I'm going to talk about weaving in and out. You know, uh, Tobin Heat, she's the same. So I'm going to talk about that. So, you know, it was finding those different pieces of each athlete to stand out. Um, So that's coming in April. And then um, it's on track so far. And hopefully I, I, you know, it's about a year from now but we just signed off on everything, just did the dedication and everything. Hopefully it'll be all good. But uh, next fall, I will also have a book coming out on the first black uh, bicycle racing champion, a man by the name of Major Taylor. Uh, Lisa Klein Ransom did a great book on him years ago, uh, years ago, and so it was a subject that I didn't want to mess with because she had done a great book on it, but then I realized, like, wow, that was quite a while ago. And so, uh, again, it was my editor that reached out and said uh, she had found some information about him, and I I knew about him, but she had found some information about him when he competed in this uh, six-day race in Madison Square Garden, and it's continuous, six-day race. And so it focuses on that. And so that'll be out, and that's another long-form biography. That'll be out uh, next fall, like I said. Um, And currently, um, as I'm done with you guys, I'm going right back to them. (laughs) I am working on my first uh, novel in verse. Um, I've had this idea for years, but it's been elusive in the storytelling aspect. I knew the ending and I knew certain things, but then I realized that I created all of these elements that even though I thought they were super creative and everything, they were just boxing me in. (laughs) So I had to figure out a way to get out of that box and it took a lot of time, but I eventually did. And now that I'm there, that's what I'm working on right now. So who knows? if and when it'll see the light of day. I'm hoping uh, that I can be done with it you know, soon because it's a story that I've been real excited to tell for years. It's that, it's that one book, you know, every author has their Moby Dick. <laughs> you, know, yeah. oh, oh, I gotta, uh, you know, and uh, you know, Stephen King has a great quote when people ask him about notebooks and he says, I don't use notebooks because it's a great place for bad ideas to live. And I, I'm—I don't agree with that because I love ideas, and you know, you you do realize some stick out, not. But his point was the good stuff will always stick, and mm-hmm. even though I wrote that idea down, it was that one book that's always that was always in my head, like, ah, you know, ah, you know, and it's taken a, some time, but I'm very excited to work on that, and so that's got me studying my craft a little more, uh, looking more fictional storytelling elements to help with the story, um, in addition to other things, but I'm real excited for that. Um, and you know, like I said, over the next few years, I have a few books coming out each year. So nice. That.
1: Well, Charles, we're so excited that you're going to join us in February. Um, and come out to Colorado and, and spend a few days here and, um, you know, see, see things from our view. And, um, you know, Laurie and I have been so excited every time we meet to look at the list of, of presenters that are coming in. And we're so glad you're on that
2: list. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited to be there because I haven't done a conference in a few years, you know, as, right. uh, or any, you know, uh, Thing. i uh <laughs> you know when you're an author it's a very solitary existence and so you're writing these these things you're excited about it this and this and that and you just kind of put it there and then when you get to the conference then that's the fun part because schools are the same too but <clears throat> schools you're dealing with kids whereas conferences you're dealing with teachers and that's when you get to see how people are responding to your work and how they're using it in the classroom to help develop other writers. And so that's what I get the most excited about because, you know, I put a lot of time and effort into what it is that I do, but it's more I do it because not only do I want to, you know, write a great poem, but for me more than anything, I want to show kids that you can do this too. You know, I don't have an MFA from such and such and such and such. And, you know, I didn't mentor under such and such and such and such. (laughs) You know, I just love words. And I connected with poetry in a way that I like to share. And um, it seems to resonate with kids and teachers.
1: Nice. Well, maybe some teachers will invite you to their classroom
2: while you're out here. That'd be great. That'd be great. That'd be great
0: (laughs) too. Well, take good care, and thanks again so much.
2: Yes, thank you all so much for having me.
3: Thanks for listening to CCIRA Literacy Conversations podcast. To find out more about CCIRA, go to CCIRA.org. On CCIRA.org, you can join as a member or find great resources Like our professional development blog, which posts every Tuesday and has a variety of guest writers on an awesome selection of topics. CCIRA is a professional organization of educators and community members dedicated to the promotion and advancement of literacy. We also have a Twitter account at Colorado Reading. You can find us on Instagram at CCIRA underscore Colorado Reading. Or you can find us on Facebook, where we also have a members-only group that we're trying to build, and our Facebook account is CCIRA Colorado Reading. We'd love to hear more from you, and again, if you're looking for new content, please send any questions or things you'd be interested in seeing from CCIRA to CCIRAvideo at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.